like this. So today, today, you know, we're doing our Ancestors of New Thought series. And today is Emily Cady. H. Emily Cady. One of my favorites. She's the she wrote the foundation book of Unity, Lessons in Truth. And it didn't start out as a book. It started out, she was, she was, uh, well, let me give you a little of her history, and then we'll, I'll give you the other stuff. So she was born on July 12, 1848, and she left us January 3rd, 1941. She was an American homeopathic physician. She was one of the first female doctors in the United States, and she lived in New York. She had been a, a, a school teacher in a one-room schoolhouse, and she wanted to go deeper. And so she became a homeopathic doctor. And, and I do find that fascinating. So her, her, well, we'll tell you that in a second, too. Dryden, New York, is her, was her birthplace. It's where she is buried now. And she went to the Homeopathic Medical College of the state of New York. She was introduced to the teachings of New Thought and Homeopathy, what have you, by Albert Benjamin Simpson. And she became deeply involved in metaphysical and spiritual studies. And she was inspired <laughs> and influenced by uh, Ralph Waldo and Emerson. She was taught by Emma Curtis Hopkins. So Emma Curtis Hopkins ordained her. Emma Curtis Hopkins ordained Myrtle and Charles Fillmore, the pioneers of the unity movement. Later on, as I told you, she uh, worked with Ernest Holmes of Science of Mind. And, and, and so she went from there. So she had written this article that she sent to Myrtle Fillmore. They had not met, but she, she had met, well, they had, I guess, met through Emma Curtis Hopkins, but they had not met, met. And so, but she sent it to Unity Village to the Fillmores, or Myrtle Fillmore. Myrtle Fillmore passed it on to her husband, Charles Fillmore, and he commissioned a series of articles uh, to be written by Emily Cady, uh, 12 articles, which became our foundation book, Lessons in Truth. And that book has sold well over a million copies. You know, it's a, it, she'd be famous today if she sold that many books. Mm -hmm. But talk shows didn't exist back then. And so it was just people buying her book and having healings. Buying her, oh, excuse me, buying her book, reading it. <laughs> and then putting into practice what she talked about. I have yet to heal from a book on my shelf. Anybody? <laughs> I've, I've known people who, especially Course in Miracles, they just carried the book around. It was a blue book that they, they carried around with them. They didn't know what else to do. And, and so they went that way. Uh, but it is, it's our biggest book in the unity movement. And uh, she, she wrote it. And, and so, she, who here has read Lessons in Truth? I'm sure we have copies over of it in our bookstore still, and uh, if you need it, uh, by all means, read it. And if you've read it before, I suggest you read it again. I have a teacher who says, the thing about Lessons in Truth is, Emily Cady sneaks into your house late at night and rewrites it. <laughs> Every time you read it, you will find new things. And I'm, I'm doing Emily Cady in a two-part series. This week is on denials. And next week will be on her affirmations. 
and her teaching the difference between them. I can't do her whole life because it's too much uh, for a Sunday talk. We've, that's why we do classes and things. So, denials. This week we're going to look at denials. And what is a denial? But it's a uh, statement to declare what is not true. Oh, I'm just thinking. I'm listening to you. Oh, okay. I know. You said that. Oh, I thought you had an epiphany or a misunderstanding. Oh, okay. Like, for, for instance, there is no evil. There is no evil. And, and somebody would say, but evil things happen. Yes, but they change. If you look into them, if you look to see God in what you call evil, the evil will, will evaporate, the, the idea of evil. A lot of the reason we believe in evil is because we don't want to take responsibility for our own thinking. If that evil person didn't exist, I wouldn't have to be uncomfortable. If they hadn't done that, I wouldn't have to feel this way. And, the, and I'm choosing how to feel. Remember, these are new thought teachers. These, these, these teachers, they, uh, they, they practitioners, metaphysicians, they, they were looking to get us all to change our thought so that we could then change the world we see. You see, if I change my thought about the world I see, then I'm going to experience the world differently, and I'm not going to be a victim of the world I see. But I, you see, I need true thoughts. And where do I get true thoughts? By going within and asking, I believe in a, the highest voice within me. And the highest voice within me is never ever going to tell me to hurt somebody else. The highest voice within me is never going to tell me to steal, to lie, to kill. The, the, Highest voice within me is only going to inform me of that which is true. Now, how do I know what is true? Because it's that which will not change. The truth, capital T truth, is that which will not change. And, and some would so uh, the example I like to use is love is true. My understanding of it is not. Because my understanding is going to keep changing. It's the same with God. God is true. My understanding of it is not. Just every time in my life I thought I knew what God was, God went and got bigger on me. So my understanding of things is not true, no matter how convinced I am of something in the world as being true or truth. It isn't. Because I could, I'll have a new thought about it. Yeah, it's like Deb's example today. I thought I was healed. Not so much. <laughs> but I thought I was, and that was my truth. Which is one of my least favorite sayings. Well, I just spoke my truth. No, you didn't. You spoke your opinion. You spoke your understanding. Truth is that which does not change. It's the same with principle. Principle is that which does not change, has no opposite. And so to look at that and say, oh, the way I see the events of my life is not true. I'm not an idiot. I, God's not mad at me. God is not a person who has thoughts like that or feelings like that. And so 
my understanding of this and this and this and this and you guys and everything, none of it's true. Just, it, it, you know, it's awful the things we tell ourselves when we look into a mirror. How many of us look in the mirror and say, boy, you're good looking today. You are beautiful. How many of us do that? I love my hair. <laughs> I'm so glad I weighed this amount. How many of us do that? How many of us look at, good for you, yay, yay, yay. If I had a star, I would give you one. But I do not have a star. She has hair. And in truth, you have great hair. But in truth, stars don't mean anything. That's the funny part. But 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 that my, my confidence means something. Did she bring a star? Oh. <laughs> uh, in truth, yeah, well here, here's an exercise you might like. I, uh, years ago, I learned to look in the mirror. You Maybe you do this. And I say, hi, God. Because when I do that, I can't find any flaws. I can't find anything wrong with me when I look in the mirror and say, hi, God. And I see the push to find something. But if the truth is, hi, God, I'm beautiful. But not beautiful in personality-wise, not beautiful in opinion. I'm beautiful just because I'm beautiful. You guys are beautiful just because you're beautiful. You can't not be. But it has nothing to do, it has nothing to do with lust. It has nothing to do with personality. It has nothing to do with objectification. And we certainly enjoy our objectification. We enjoy our personality. We enjoy our lust. We enjoy all that stuff. And because why? It gives us opinions. And when I have an opinion, I feel important. Anybody? Feel here. Loves your opinions. You're such liars. <laughs> How do I know this? Because I'm willing to bet you're spouting your opinions all day long. You know, you hear about something that's, that's terrible. That's an opinion. No matter how horrible it may sound, which is a, the horrible thing, that's an opinion. Because I don't know. I know it affects me this way. I get a jolt from it this way. And so to look at this, to not, there is no evil here. So if there is no evil, if there is nothing to be upset about, Spirit, what is it? Spirit, show me what this is. Tell me what to think about this. And it's, it's not a matter of trying to get a uh, personality story from Spirit, you know what I call my highest voice. You know, tell me the truth of what to think. You don't do the thing I always say. And tell me. It's da -da 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 -da. <laughs> yeah, tell Spirit what to tell yourself. Don't do that. Deny it. This has no power to upset me except the power I give it. And it's and it's and you'd think, oh, there's certain things we're supposed to feel this way about. We're supposed to see it this no. No, we really aren't. There are no rules on how I should feel or what I should think. Because there are some things that happen in this earth, and I guarantee you, there's this factor over here, they're, they're, they're devastated, and then there's this factor over here that says, yes. And, and so, they're all opinions. They're all opinions, most of them based on selfish narcissism. Most, most of that stuff based on, I feel more important. I feel more special with my opinions, even if they're negative. So, but to go from, there is no evil, there is but one power in the universe, and that is God, 
the good. God is good, and God is omnipresent. Apparent evils are not entities or things of themselves. They are simply apparent absence of the good. Just as darkness is an absence of light, that God or good is omnipresent, so the apparent absence of good, or the evil, is unreal. It is only an appearance of evil, just as the moving sun was an appearance. Uh, you need not wait to discuss this matter of evil or to understand it fully, all about why you deny it, but begin to practice the denials in an unprejudiced way and see how marvelously they will, after a while, deliver you from some of the so-called evils of your daily life. And it's funny. I, you know, what are some of the evils of your daily life? Anybody? What? Traffic. Exactly. <laughs> Traffic. Crazy drivers, yes. Chronic eczema. Chronic eczema. <laughs> She's not off base there at all. Uh, psoriasis, the heartbreak of. The way the grocery store person looked at me. <laughs> Somebody wasn't nice to me this morning. Somebody was faster on the highway than I was, and it scared me. You know, a bug got into the house. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, all sorts of things. And it's, uh, this doesn't taste good. They're out of iced tea. Yeah, Dunkin' Donuts eliminating lemons from their, their, their menu. They no longer have lemons at Dunkin' Donuts. I know, it's awful, isn't it? I went to hell for a little bit when I first got that information. I sent myself to new places. Diane has since turned me on to crystallized lemon, the little packet of lemon. And so it's, there is lemon to be had. Yes, sir. How did the New Thought people go about getting their truth? Was it like meditation or dreams? They prayed. They got quiet. They got still. And they, they did discuss it with each other and see, see whose thoughts aligned with this kind of stuff. And, and they had healings. When they got quiet, they began to have healings. I mean, people had healings of major diseases. And uh, it's like, how did I do that? Oh, I got quiet. When, when, I had, when I had an instantaneous healing of a sprained ankle, I was sitting meditating. I wasn't trying to heal a sprained ankle. And I just simply affirmed that Christ in me is awake now. Because that's how I start my meditations, as you know. But so that day, something clicked, and I went from here down. A ripple went down the side of my body, and my ankle went eh. And I was back on rollerblades the next day, or in two days. And I, uh, people kept having these healings. Tumors left. I mean, it was really impressive. But it's a big commitment. It is a terrific commitment to, to have these kind of healings and to get on board with it. It took Charles Fillmore four months of sitting in a rocking chair every night having some nice thought before he saw any results. But he just got quiet and he felt calmer. Felt better. And then one day he, he was, he was off closing up a real estate deal and realized he had dreamt the entire thing from start to finish. And that's when he felt he was connected to his source. It's like, oh, I, I am communicating beyond my conscious mind. Now, and that's when he got on board with his wife, who was having a healing from tuberculosis, and their friends who start, started a prayer circle around their kitchen table. And, and, and so the, uh, 
All these teachers, and Emily Cady's a big one who taught in her books talks about maintain your prayer life until the problem has vanished. Until the problem is no longer a problem. In your consciousness, we have a way. Now, her second way here, uh, denial here is there is no absence of life, substance, or intelligence anywhere. There is no absence of life, substance, or intelligence anywhere. Now, Christian scientists, they, they say there is no life, substance, or intelligence anywhere. But Emily Cady and the New Thought people, yes? That's actually true. There might, There's a satellite going into space, and on the outside of the glass, in the vacuum, there were microbes. Thank you. <laughs> Yay. I'm glad you said that. I'm really glad you said that, because none of these people speak up of that. Uh, so there is no absence of life, substance, or intelligence anywhere. Because remember, God is life itself. God is substance itself. God is intelligence itself. And, and so to realize, oh, I keep trying, affirming there's an absence of good. And there isn't an absence of good. I just don't currently seeing it, see it with where my thoughts are right now. And so, that's okay. And, and so to real, oh, to give yourself an ease of mind and body. I hurt right now. This is happening right now. This stunned my thought system right now. But there's no absence of good. There is no absence of life. There is no absence of substance. There is no absence of intelligence anywhere. Which means there is a divine and holy solution and a practical solution in all that I have perceived as absence of good. There's a practical solution here, and I am open to see, seeing it. I wonder what wonderful surprises God has in store for me today. And then see it. It's been really impressive, the things we have seen this week yeah. as a result of doing that. We're not making those things happen. Through that affirmation, we're becoming open to seeing it. You see, affirmations and denials, they don't change the physical universe. They open us. To seeing what actually is. Now, third, pain, sickness, poverty, old age, and death cannot master me, for they are not real. Now, we've all lost people close to us. And so, but for today to think about, hmm, pain, sickness, poverty, old age, and death cannot master me, for they are not real. Well, then what are they? I have seen some pretty dramatic things happen in spite of this statement. Well, it seems to me we do have a collective consciousness, a race consciousness that believes in sin, sickness, and death. We talk about it all the time. We watch the news. We read the newspapers. Uh, we believe what we have seen in the past, and we drag all that past with us into the present, Pain, sin, sickness, and death, they are not real. They cannot master me. So, we all probably are going to make a transition one day from this physical plane to the next. We've known others who have already have done it. 
people we love that we think that should not have happened to. The other ones we don't care about, but the ones we love, the ones we, in our arrogance, think that should not have happened to them because it hurts my feelings. It hurts my stomach. It hurts my head. It hurts. Should not have happened there. But the other ones, it's okay. They'll deal with that. And so, to come to this for today, for ourselves, for our friends, today. Sin, sickness, and death. Old age. Poverty. Pain. Death cannot master me. For they are not real. Now that seems pretty real, but... If they are not real, then those we love who have already made their transition, they are still eternal beings. They still exist, just in a different plane than we have known them. I know, it's tough, isn't it? Very tough. Yeah. Because we still want the ones with skin on. And so to uh, look at this and say, I want to get on board with my faith in spirit, with my faith in truth, with my faith in light. I want to get on board with that so that I can, uh, I can set my loved ones free to move into the next phase of their eternal being. The next phase. Eric Butterworth used to say, he said, I believe we can contact those we love. And I think I have in some ways. He said, but the thing is, when we try to do that, we may be holding them back from their next, from their next part. I'm not necessarily inclined to believe that. What I do believe is that my resentments of them can hold them back. I must release everyone with love. And if they want to come chat with me, here I am. But I don't want to hold anybody back because I'm mad at them. Somebody said that about my dad. When I, uh, somebody told me you need to, my dad was asking me to forgive him, and I thought, well, I know forgiveness is for me, so I'll just do it when I get around to it. And a uh, psychic friend of mine said, no, no, Sean. Uh, it's for them, too. Release them, because you don't want to hold them back from them. I said, no, I don't. I don't have a single resentment worth holding somebody back in spirit. I've got a few that I'm willing to hold back on this plane. <laughs> but if they were to tra transition, I will not hold them back. I won't, because I know we have things to do. And I, uh, I want to love all being so much that I, I, uh, I want to set them free to do their spirit work, their God work, their life work. And so to, to pay attention to that. Fourth, there is nothing in all the universe for me to fear. For greater is that which is within me than th that which is in the world. Imagine that there is nothing in all the universe for me to fear. Which tells me I'm making up all my fears. I'm making them up. Every single fear, the mice, the rats, the whatever, that's mine. Uh, I'm making up fear 
of, of, of the future. Anybody? Anybody afraid of tomorrow? Yes, you are. <laughs> Some of you. Uh, <laughs> even stuff I want. Even stuff I want. We're selling our house. And, and still I fear, uh, what's it going to feel like? And I'm completely open. I'm not at all resistant to uh, selling this house. I'm looking forward to our new apartment. I'm looking forward to all of it. And I fear so many things that could, could uh, I don't say go wrong, but could upset me. During it. You know, every, I fear the cat's getting out. Every day of my life, I'm afraid the cat's going to get out of the house and something's going to happen to them. And I fear how I will feel if something ever happens to those kitties. And, and it's, I'm making it up. And I fear how you'll feel. I don't blame you. <laughs> I don't blame you at all. <sighs> I make up these fears. And somebody would say, but why, Sean? Why would you make this, up these fears? You know, you know, so many things I fear doing wrongly in our house for fear of upsetting him. Now, he's not going to abuse me. You know, there's none of that going on. But I fear his upset. I fear your upset. Thank goodness I don't have to fear my mother's upset anymore. Uh, but but the, those, there is nothing to fear, and yet... I experience a lot of afraid, and, and it's, I don't want to beat myself up for it, I want to work my way through it. There's something that tells me, I'm not going to be loved or lovable if this happens. I'm not going to believe in love anymore if this happens. I, I uh, something's going to hurt too much, and I'm afraid of that. So I pay attention. Here's what I do for that. I pay attention when it comes up. I don't just accept it and walk away. Oh, well, that's the way it's going to be forever. No, I pay attention. I accept it. That's where I happen to be right now. And, uh, and then I pay attention when it comes up. And I say, it's a chance for healing. This is an opportunity for healing. It's right here at present. You know, I, I fear his reaction to things far less than ever before. Kitties getting out, that's still a daily concern, especially with people coming in to look at the house now. Uh, I don't feel traffic. I don't. I used to be afraid of traffic, not so afraid of that at all anymore. And, and you know, you, I pay attention. I just pay attention. And I, uh, and I go from there. So, these four denials, she tells us to repeat these four denials several times a day, silently, but not with a strained anxiety to get something out of them. Can so, you repeat them? Y'all, I'm about to. <laughs> no? <laughs> ah, there is no evil. There is no absence of life, substance, or intelligence anywhere. Pain, sickness, poverty, old age, and death cannot master me, for they are not real, and there is nothing in the universe for me to fear. For greater is, is, you know, we'll say God within me than God that is in the world. Or it that is in the world. Oh, she, I love, she says, almost hourly little vexations and fears come up in your life. Meet each one with a denial. Calmly 
and coolly say within yourself, there is nothing at all, or that's nothing at all. This is nothing at all. It's a blip in my thinking. If you're angry, stand still and silently deny it. Say that you are not angry, that you are love made manifest, and cannot be angry, and angry anger, excuse me, anger will leave you. Now she's not saying I don't have anger. But I am not anger itself. I am not disappointment myself. I am not these things myself. These are all blips. These are all things that are not real. And so to declare I'm not angry, you have to do it with the right mindset. In truth, I'm not angry. Maybe in my story I am, but in truth I'm not angry. And then observe whether or not it dissipates. You may have to follow it up with an affirmation. I'm not angry, I am loved. I am loved. I am the good that God is. I love this. If someone shows you ill will, silently deny their power to hurt you or to make you unhappy. Should you find yourself feeling jealous or envious toward anyone, instantly turn the heel of denial on the hydra-headed monsters. Declare that you're not jealous or envious, that you are an expression of perfect love. Imagine that I am an expression of perfect love, if you declare that about yourself all day long. I am an expression of perfect love. I am an ex I'm not my thoughts, I am not my feelings. I am an expression of perfect love. And I wonder what wonderful surprises God has in store for me today. So we're told, delight thyself in the Lord. And he shall give thee the desires of thy heart. Desires of our heart is to know that we are loved with an everlasting love, no matter what is going on no matter what has happened. That's our true desire, to know that I am loved. I want the confidence of knowing I am loved and cannot not be loved. I hope you agree with me. And then you work on, oh, the desires of my heart are alive and well in me today. And I can manifest them in a myriad of way, ways in my mind, in my body, in my relationships, and I will not use any circumstances, any person, any event, any place, anything to block the truth of my knowing. I will not use this to block the truth of my being, that I am beloved, that I am good, that I am God's beloved child. So let's, we're heading into summer, everybody. And there's a lot of stuff coming up. A lot of events coming up. A lot of events in the world. A lot of things people are going to tell us. Some they're going to say are good. And some they're going to say are bad and terrible. But the truth is, we are beloved children of a loving God. And that is the truth. Thank you.